Hello folks, I'm Joe Van Hoogen and this is The Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is Church Partnership Evangelism, where I've been the executive director for over 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more about us, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. The other ministry is the ministry of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, where I'm the Bible teacher, and this is the word we feed on. Today, we pick up a review of the first four experiences of salvation. We are awakened, we are repentant, we have faith, and we turn in conversion to follow Christ. These are the first four of six experiences we will be discussing in our series, but here we recognize that these four build momentum towards a prevailing testimony of personal salvation through Jesus Christ. The next thing that God calls us to He calls us to the action to believe in Christ. It is to set our minds in trust upon His Son as our sinless representative. In repentance, I turn away from myself. In belief, I turn to Christ and I say, He is the perfect sinless one who represents me by God's own appointing. He calls us to confess and see that my sins are serious. Then in belief, I look to the Lord Jesus and I see that this perfect sinless one suffered for those sins. He is the sacrifice and the payment for my sins. And that's believing faith. That's trusting faith. I look away from my own self-righteousness and in repentance. And then in faith, I look to Christ and I trust and believe that this perfect sinless one who suffered for all my sins offers to give to me the record of all of His righteousness. So I can stand before God, right, covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message in faith. Faith must trust it and believe that it's true and lay hold of it. And then I look away from all of my pursuits to please myself independent of God and I see that this perfect righteous one who has paid the price for my sins and would give me all of his righteousness is to be the righteous Lord of my life. That he, this loving master, is the only one as I surrender to Him, that will bring to me satisfaction. That's faith. That's saving faith. We're commanded to it. We're commanded to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an imperative in Scripture, and be saved. It's an action that we do. And maybe you remember the moment in which you did. You believed it. You heard it and you believed it. And your heart laid hold of it. Your mind laid hold of it. That's what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says. For by grace are you saved by faith. And you remember the day when you had that faith, but then the apostles write and come along and they tell us that that very faith that you expressed was a gift from God. It was God's own work in your mind and your heart to believe in Him. Awake, it says, you awoke, and then it says, God awoke you. Repent, it says, and you had repentance, and then they come along after you've acted in repentance and turned from all these things in your mind and heart, and they say, well, God gave you that gift. Believe, and you believed. It's an action. And then you read, well, God, God was working faith in you in that moment. God was doing it. The next thing God calls us to that we considered is that we're to convert or turn to Him. Our minds are to turn to Him, and our minds turn as we're awakened and as we repent and as we have believing faith, but as our minds turn, so also our hands are to turn and follow our minds, and our hearts are to fully turn, and our feet are to turn, and our whole bodies, our whole being, 
everything that we are in heart and mind and emotion and will and personality and physical activities, the very energies that propel you through the day, the way that you record your life in the morning when you got up till you go to bed at night, the things that you process as you dealt with problems and challenges in the day, as you tried to advance yourself in your community and as you tried to deal with the issues of your family, all of it now is to be turned into the life of Jesus Christ. Converted, turned completely. Jesus spoke of this word of conversion in Mark chapter 10 when he spoke to the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, that's not just a mind change, folks. That's just not something that's the turn of a mind. Now it's the turn of the whole being and the whole life. He's saying, turn into me completely. Well, when you really awaken by God, and when God really gives you repentance, and when God gives you saving faith, God also turns you. It's a leverage point in which the momentum of it brings you all the way over, all the way over, into a whole change of where you are in position in your very body. You know how momentum works. You start pulling something, and eventually the momentum will pull it all the way over. I heard a very funny story this last week. There was another couple that was with us that had come down from Tacoma. Their husband was a chemist, and he's a very pleasing, simple guy, a tall guy. Now he's about 70 years old, and he, he said, you know, I had a terrible dream a couple years ago. He said, I was clearing some land that I had, and I had a backhoe, and I was clearing off all this land, and my grandkids were running around there, so I kept warning my wife to keep the kids away from this backhoe. I was worried about it, and that night I dreamt. I dreamt that this backhoe was bearing down upon my family. Now the wife interrupted and said, let me finish the story. She said, as he was dreaming in the middle of the night, all of a sudden I feel as I'm sleeping next to my husband, this arm grabbed me and ripped me from the bed, pulled me across his bottom, throw me to the floor, but he doesn't let go of me. And the momentum of that moment took me from my bed to the floor. And the next thing I know, he's laying on top of me. I open my eyes, I look at him, I say to him, what was that all about? <laughs> he says to me, would you believe I just saved you from being run over by a backhoe? to work that into a sermon somehow because it was such a good story. <laughs> momentum. The momentum of awake, being awakened, being brought to repentance, being led by God to faith changes your position. You turn. You're in a whole different place. That was probably a mistake on my part. I've learned not to tell. One of the reasons you don't tell I'm tired you don't tell jokes when you preach is people forget the whole sermon. They just remember, they'll just remember that story from then on out. God says, turn your whole position. God turns us to himself. I'll go back to my friend Mark Schaefer. A really wonderful time of fellowship, among other things. You know, we finished our day around 5.30 in the evening. We'd start at uh, 6 in the morning. As soon as the light came up, the lights would go out around 6 at night, and 
you really didn't want to have lights on because it just attracted bugs, so you're just in the dark. So most of the time, you just lay there and think in your bed, and you might want to wander out, but it's pretty dark in the jungle. And then you don't want to wander because they keep telling you of all the poisonous snakes that they've just killed around your room. So you're kind of trapped in there. But periodically, we'd get together and tell stories and talk to one another, and we had a wonderful night in which Mark and Cheryl were sharing their personal testimony. I wish I had time to share all of it with you, but I'll just share this with you, that Mark had married a Mormon girl, which was really upsetting to her parents. He started going to the Mormon church and sitting in on the priestly meetings. All the men are supposed to be priests, Levites. They're teaching these different things. Mark grew up in an Episcopalian church, and he said, this, I know a little bit about my Bible. This doesn't seem to square with it. So I starts reading his Bible. He starts finding things that don't square with what they're teaching, and so he starts raising questions in the class. Their answer is, Mark, God has just not shown you the fullness of the gospel. You, know, you just wait. It'll be revealed to you. Mark keeps asking questions and keeps being a nuisance. He starts reading his Bible more and more. He starts waking his wife up in the middle of the night. Hey, wait, look what it says here, and look what it says there. And Of course, this begins irritating her. She threatens to divorce him. She says, okay, I'm not a good Mormon, but listen, you've got to stop this. This is my family's religion. If you make another critical comment about Mormonism, I'm leaving you. Well, finally, he can't go to the Mormon church. She says, so she agrees that she'll compromise. They'll go to the Episcopalian church. Now, they're looking for a church because they know they need to change their lives because they know they're both sinners. They go to Episcopalian church and they like it. They really like it because they find out that there they can get close to God and they can drink as much as they want. In fact, there's nobody in the church that drinks less than they do. So they start drinking more. It's great. Find out later on the pastor's an alcoholic. This is good. You can be an alcoholic even and learn about the things of God. And he's reading his Bible, though. They move to another community. In that community, he gets a job working as a concrete worker. He's working his way up to the company, and he hates it. As he's reading his Bible, he's developing a certain character in his life, and the people around him don't have that character at all. They're liars, and they're cheats, and they're dealing drugs, and they're alcoholics, and... They, they curse, he curses too, but their cursing is reviling. His cursing is just, you know, a habit. They drink, but their drinking is nasty, and his drinking is just to relax and enjoy himself. So he's been reading his Bible. He's actually said, told me he read his Bible through about two or three times, but he's miserable. One day he's sitting in his lazy boy, and his sister comes by and says, listen, I think there's a book you need to read, and she gives him a book by Billy Graham on the Holy Spirit. And he picks it up, and he begins reading this book because he's just miserable. He's even praying, God, you've got to get me out of this job. I hate these people. You've got to get me out of here before I kill somebody. And he's reading it. As he's reading it, for the very first time, God uses Billy Graham to reveal to him the wonderful, glorious message of the gospel. Jesus has died to pay the punishment for all of our sins. He's risen again from the grave to give us new life. Let's repent of our sins and let's believe in him and let's follow him. And he begins to weep. He says, I got out of my chair. My wife wasn't around. What he doesn't know is at the very same time in which this was happening in his life, in another place, his wife was finding Jesus as well. He gets down and he weeps and he's crying. He says, God, I get it. I've been reading this Bible over and over again and I've been picking up arguments, but I didn't see it. I get it now. I see what you've done. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm such an awful sinner. Wash me, cleanse me. I, I receive your life through Jesus Christ. And it's this wonderful, beautiful prayer. And God, I don't still know what to do with this work. I hate it. I'm going to go back there. This is so wonderful and so true. This even makes where I work even worse. And he says, I hear as if God says to me, you go there and you be a witness for me. 
I don't even know what a witness is. I wouldn't even know how to go about being a witness. So he says, I go the very next day. I said to God, okay, God, I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to be a witness to you, but you've got me. You've got me heart and mind and soul and body. I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. There's his, by the way, declaration of conversion, of changing, of turning. The next day he's going and he's working and they're putting a sidewalk in in front of a grade school and he's just pounding stakes in the ground to put the forms in. And while he's there, walking along the street side, comes an old lady. He looks up and sees her out of the corner of the eye and the old lady pauses and says, it's a glorious day that the Lord has given us, isn't it? It's not something that you usually have someone say to you while you're on your knees pounding stakes in the ground. In fact, he'd never heard anything like that before. And he paused for a second, he looked at him and says, yes, it is a glorious day. Then he went back to pound his stakes and the next thing he knew, her hand was on his shoulder. Now, why did she do that? Who told her to do that? And she said to him, I want to bless you. Keep doing what you're doing. God needs men like you to be a witness for him. So it's like a shock went through his body. That woman probably thought, why am I doing this? I just feel the urge to say this to him. And God for a moment was confirming to him, Mark, you cried out and said, I'll turn and I'll change and I'll give you heart and mind and soul and body. Mark, I turned you for myself. I'm going to make you a witness. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.